Hello, greetings, fine gentlemen, fine absolute kings. I am changing up the uh, the sun is changing its course, so um, I was getting a bit bright, brighted out. Perhaps I will change my studio tomorrow, as it were. Anyway, I hope you chaps are all uh, absolutely phenomenal. That the Lord is directing your steps. Some of you through the desert, some of you through the palace, uh, whichever whichever one it is. I pray that uh, you are steadfastly being a man after the Lord's heart. Brian Jones, good afternoon, fine sir. Good to have you on. So today I uh, want to talk about uh, the autumn time of our civilization. Drongo and Brian Croissant, good afternoon, fine gentlemen. Welcome. I, uh, it's amazing how a garden can get away from you. <clears throat> you know, we were at this county, county fair, county tractor show for uh, four days. You know, pretty much, you know, the whole every you know all day for four days and uh you neglect your garden you know a lot of it doesn't seem like you put a lot of of work into a garden uh but you know in the morning you go out and do a few things and in the day you go out and do a few things and then at night you go in and do a few things and you know you stay on top of things uh but uh, you know four days away you come back and you're like whoa the garden is you know, needs needs some work. You know, you need to prune. You need to uh, pick fruit. You need to uh, collect leaves and uh, and neaten things up. And it just got me thinking about about civilization, about Christendom, uh, about the Anglosphere. You know, where we are right now. We are very obviously uh, nearing the end of autumn. You know, autumn is the harvest. It's where you know there's there's comforts, there's fruits, there's uh, there's productivity there's value uh, to be harvested and at the same time there's there's chaos and mess and dying things sean thomas good afternoon the fall is legit it really is so it you know it's really you know there's that meme you know strong men create good times good times create weak men Weak men create hard times. Hard times create good men. And that cycle, that meme is very useful to us. It's, it's something that we all can grasp and can, can capture. You know, we have been going through spectacular times. You know, and those four seasons, those four seasons are relevant to the, the cycle of empires. You know, the life cycle of civilizations. You know, uh, who was the, the, the British chap uh, who wrote about the the life cycle of empires? But but most empires are two hundred to three hundred years um, life cycle, and they go through that that seven. He I think has seven stages of of empire or whatever. You know, there's the breakout phase, pioneering. You know, it's the springtime, it's the springtime uh, of civilization. It is it is energetic men who are, you know, Bap talks about this in his book, of, of all great things are, are done by a couple men or a band of men who are energized to go and start something new, to go and explore, to go and conquer, to go and adventure, uh, and to start something new. Uh, that is springtime, you know, the springtime of sowing seeds, of, of 
really going hard at what are we planning to grow? What are we planning that over future generations will come to fruition? You know, what what is the foundation that we are stewarding? You know, if you look at Adam's mandate over creation, you know, it was to take dominion. And it's like, okay, we start by planning. We start by planning what is it that we are we are wanting. And and for us, it's, you know, we are very much kind of in this stage now where we are at the end of autumn. You know, there's there's a lot of plunder. There's a lot of harvest uh, to be had. And that is why everyone is coming uh, to America specifically, but to the Anglosphere, right? Australia and New Zealand, Canada, England, South Africa before uh, before the changeover, you know, all of Africa wanted to come and live in South Africa. All of the world wants to come and live in the Anglosphere. All of the world wants to come and plunder the fall, the autumn time, the harvest. And so, you know, the libertarian, the libertarian kind of um, mindset, which we have, we have all been born into, this, this liberalism, which manifests itself in the masculine as libertarian and in the feminine as feminism. But this libertarian mindset is like, oh my gosh, you know, our garden is being overrun and people are plundering the garden that my dad planted, that my grandfather planted, that my great-great-grandfather planted. Well, I'm just going to run away. I'm just going to, yes, it, that's fine. It's yours. It's your It's your garden now. I'm going to go and and figure something out. And there's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. Um, we have to realize that, well, you know, if they're getting in on the plundering and, and legally we cannot stop other people from, from plundering our civilization, uh, then we ourselves need to, to make sure that we are getting uh, our uh, share of the harvest. You know, a lot of guys, you know, I used to be, I used to be completely against any form of government welfare or handout, you know, to the point where, you know, because we didn't work my whole first year, you know, following all the systems, following the law, being honorable to the host. Um, but with my immigration, I was like, you know, we were under the poverty level for, you know, the whole first two years of our marriage. And I was like, screw this. We're not, we're not, you know, we will pay for our own medical stuff. We will pay for our own. We're not going to go on, on government assistance. You know, it's a very, very much the, but that is a nationalist tribal uh, thinking, you know, of like, I, you still think, that the institutions are yours. And so you're like, I'm going to be an honorable part of the system. Not so for all the outsiders, for all the parasites. They're like, I'm coming in and I'm screw everyone here. I'm taking what I can get. And so it's been a very hard realization for me to repent from libertarianism and to become nationalistic, to become tribal, to, to become a builder of Christendom again. And like we said yesterday in yesterday's show, Christendom, civilization, Let's say civilization. Civilization is three uh, essence. It has the essence of civilization is three legs: peace, you know, which comes from safety and law and order. So it's peace, and the and the the opposite of peace is violence, lack of law and order, lack of safety. So peace is a pillar of civilization. Prosperity is a pillar of civilization. Prosperity means the ability to make a living, the ability to feed your family, the ability to build and achieve significant projects. The opposite of prosperity is poverty, which is pretty much the whole third world, violence and poverty. And then for whom? 
you know, because this is the big globalist lie, the big liberal lie, the big Christian lie is that it's for everyone. You know, we've got to work for everyone. And it's like, no, you work for your family. You work for your tribe. You work for your neighbor. You know, so so it's the peace and prosperity of my progeny, of my people, of my place. This is what we are working for. It's too big a scale to work for the whole world, you know, and, and that is what it means to be a patriarch. Oof, we get all, all these P's here. Patriarchs, peace, prosperity, progeny. Patriarchs are for, for every tribe, for every people, for every place. You don't go and discipline someone else's children. That is that father's responsibility. And I am overstepping my bounds to go into their home and discipline their, their children. Every culture, every ethnicity, every tribe has their own patriarchs. And we are to honor and respect them by not meddling in their business. Likewise, we are to honor and respect other people, other tribes, by not having to come and rescue us because we're taking care of our own. We're taking care of our own families. We're taking care of our own neighborhoods. We're taking care of our own institutions and underclass so that we're not a burden on other people because that's what happens with all of these refugee crap, right? Is that the patriarchs have failed. The patriarchs are weak. And so people are fleeing to where there are the fruits of other patriarchs. Oh, will they give me peace? Will they give me prosperity for my progeny? And, you know, the Anglosphere is like, yes, come, we will, we will give you our peace. We will give you our prosperity, which is the, uh, you know, the, the magic dirt uh, phenomenon, you know, of like, well, if they just come to America, you know, everyone in the whole world is an American. They just haven't got here yet. But when they get here, they will be a bona fide, civilized American. And it's like, no, that, that doesn't happen. You know, even, even myself, you know, who I'm adjacent, I'm an Anglo. And I'm a, I'm a Christian and I'm, uh, I, I appreciate the host. I respect the host. I love the history. I'm, I'm, I've studied the history. I'm married in. I'm not American. I never will be American. I can be, I can be honoring and I can be adjacent. But if you had to flood America with 300 million me's, you wouldn't create, it wouldn't be more American. It would be more African Anglo. It would be more like I, you know, who I am, who I've been, the context I've been raised in and the, the heritage I have received, the hardware that I operate from now over here, if you have, if I overwhelm it, then, then the place has to conform to me, to my hardware. Right. And this is why it's like, you know, this whole thing of, of progeny is so important and patriarchy is so important. You have to understand who are my people in my place. So of course, you know, I am the outsider who is grafting in, honoring the place, honoring the people. And I am building for the progeny, you know, my children, I'm married into, into, you know, Germanic American stock. So it's like my children, if we raise them here, will be Germanic American. If that's where we raise them here, if we go back over to Natel and live in Natel, my wife will never be a Natel Anglo. Like, no, she's a Midwest German. But our children, if raised in, in Natal, will be Natal, Anglos. And so we, we kind of cringe, our libertarianness cringes at this whole thing of like cultural tribalism, you know, like, oh, you know, this is terrible. We're all Christians. Yeah, there's no Jew or Greek. And it's like, no, like our hardware does not fall away. You do not stop being a man because it says there's now no, you know, male or female. It's like, you don't stop being a man. You don't stop being married. You don't stop being whatever hardware you are, it's just that you now have a new software which guides that hardware. You know, so now I am a Christian, Christian African Anglo, you know, whatever our, our 
next Neo Amish tribe will be, you know, because again, we're going to be forming new tribes because the old tribes have been lost. You know, the old ethnicities have been lost. The old institutions, the, the heritage of our fathers has been lost. You know, this is the great autumn of our civilization. The great autumn, the great fall of our civilization is that we have to now prepare the new ground. We we are the new ground. You know, the Bible talks about, about being uh, preparing our hearts as ground for seed. You know, so the, the obviously the seed of the gospel, the seed of the good uh, news, that is Christ being my, my totally new identity, that, that Christ is the king of kings, that Christ is the older brother, that God is now my father, that I am an, an inheritor of this Jerusalem above. But I have to live this world, this life out on the world below. And so what I want to do as an agent of God, as a son of God, as a king that Christ is king of, I want to, I want to build on earth what I see in Jerusalem above. You know, so we want to build, which is what we're talking about, a garden, right? We're talking about planning for the future. So this is what the founding fathers did in the 1760s, 70s, 80s, 90s is they were building for a few, you know, they were LARPing, they were farmers LARPing as Romans. And, you know, they, they were building a republic to what they thought would be, uh, you know, the next best way forward for things. You know, the Puritans and the Pilgrims were laying a foundation and building for what they thought would be uh, the next best thing forward. And so I had a really great chat with a friend, a, an anon uh, of ours, a friend of ours, You know, especially as things ramp up, if you watch the the bloody Aussies, um, they are going full absolute Herod. You know, they're going full absolute Pharaoh. And so what is the Christian response? There are three biblical, you know, kind of uh, templates. You know, number one are the Israelites in Egypt, you know, and, and I would say for the great, for the great majority of us, we are Israelites in Egypt. We are enslaved. We do not have sovereignty. We do not have uh, the power institutions, definitely not. Uh, but even culturally, cultural institutions, we we have none, and and that is the big call for us. But but in that in that template, what the Israelites did was cry out to God, right? So they were crying out to God for deliverance, crying out to God uh, for a savior, and that's fine. You know, you, we can do that, and we should be praying to the Lord. We should be praying to the Lord for for those in authority and, and, and our prayer should be repentance and removal, repentance and removal. That should be our prayer for those who are, are wicked, uh, men in, in authority. But our savior has come. Christ has come and, you know, he has saved us. We have already been saved. So as Christian men, we're not crying out, uh, for salvation necessarily because we have been saved. We are not victims. We're not victims. Our circumstances, you know, this is where Joseph and Jonathan are amazing templates in this of what to do with wicked, when you are caught in wicked power systems, you never sink to victimhood. You know, Joseph never sank to victimhood. He's like, all right, I'm a slave now. God, what do you want me to do? And it says about him, civilization again, right? Peace and prosperity and progeny. It says about him, he's sitting on a slave block getting sold. And it says, God was with him and he was a prosperous man, you know? So even in his slavery, then he becomes, he gets falsely accused by an unjust, the, the injustice of the justice system, right? And he gets sentenced to jail. 
So what does he do? He keeps giving his gift in jail. This is talking about guys who are absolutely, you cannot get out of this. Like you, you cannot, you cannot get out of this. You have zero institutional ability. You work your gift as unto the Lord and you trust the Lord. You trust the Lord to direct your steps and bring you into a position of institutional power. Jonathan, on the other hand, was the son of a wicked king. So he lost, he lost the throne. He knew, he knew because David was his best friend and David had been anointed. Do you not think he's like, David at some point was like, hey man, this is awkward, but uh, I've been anointed to be the next king. And Jonathan, instead of killing him, is like, yeah, I'm, I will be your, I will do anything within my power to be a man who supports and blesses you. And so what we see with Jonathan is being born into a curse, right? Losing your birthright, being born to lose your birthright, losing your birthright of institutions, losing your birthright of, of inheritance and all of this kind of stuff. What does he do? He goes and finds the people who have, who, who have got the anointing and he goes and joins them and he, and he goes and helps them. And he even uh, protects them from the, the wicked king who is his father. So, so that template, what I'm saying is we have to start looking at the guys who have got cultural institutions, who have got cultural power. You know, we look at the Amish, we look at the, at the Mormons, you know, a lot of guys are like, Oh, Scott, they don't have power. Of course they don't have power. They, they all give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but they have cultural power. They have cultural kingship. So they, they own their own media, their own ministry, their own economy, and they are running men in governance, right? So this brings us to to a plan for us, right? Here's our plan. Scott, what the heck are we doing? What's the plan, right? The plan is that it's the end of fall. Winter is coming. We need to plunder Saul. We need to plunder clown world. We need to plunder what was once ours, but is now being overrun by everybody else. We've lost the birthright as it was. We need to plunder that, right? We need to be getting what we can get to then help the new, have the new plan. What is the new plan? And that's David, right? David's the third template. David is anointed king, right? And I believe that, you know, there's this, this absolute desire on our hearts that is God-given. You know, we are, we are sitting in holy dissatisfaction. You know, I believe that the Lord gives us resolve. You know, if you're caught in, in slavery hundreds of years, I believe that the Lord would give you resolve like, like, uh, like Joseph. Joseph, I think, got a measure of grace, a measure of resolve of like, hey, you're going to be a slave for the rest of your life. I will give you grace to bear this. For David, however, it's like, no, I'm anointing you king. You're going to go build a new dispensation, a new institutional power, a new crown, a new kingdom. And, you know, I think that's for us as, as the second Adam, our mandate has been restored. I think we have been given this, this holy dissatisfaction of like, no, we want to go and build. We want to go and build and be free of clown world. We want it. We want peace. We want prosperity, and we want it for our progeny. And we're going to be the patriarchs who build that, right? So we are coming into this winter time of preparation. So David, God doesn't lead him straight into the palace and then be like, "All right, sweet, I'm going to go fight Saul." No, no, no. He honors. He gives unto Saul what is Saul's. He gives unto Caesar what is Caesar's. He honors the power structures that are. But then, when it gets impossible, when it gets impossible to his own. Uh, his own harm, you know, to stay there, he goes out to the desert, right? He goes out to the desert. He collects around him 400 rough men who are all outcast from the system. Hello, ding, ding, ding. 
And he says, right, we're, we're planting a new garden. We're starting, we're planning for the next spring. And I'm not going to take Saul into my own hands. So here's the important thing, chaps, and feds, you're welcome here. Our boogaloo is not against flesh and blood. You know, keep hey, keep your keep your pew-pews. We, we need to have pew-pews. Very important. Very important. We've seen what's happened in Australia, folks. So here's the deal, though, right? We, you know, there's that classic song. Keep your, uh, keep your rifle by your... I can't even keep the tune. My God, that's embarrassing. But I'm sure you know the song, the the fallout or far cry whatever it's called anyway keep a rifle by this by your side but it's like they'll shoot first we'll shoot last that that's a wonderful thing to have right we do not aggress we do not go to state capitals we do not boogaloo we do not hula shirt right we build institutions you go out to the desert not to fight the king it's to avoid the king you avoid the power structures you avoid uh the the wicked rulers and you go build your own cultural power you go build your own shadow government you go build your own shadow civilization that when then winter when winter comes and Saul the lord removes Saul when the lord destroys the kingdom boom we're ready and we move into the palace because we've been building right we've been building cultural power we've been building shadow uh institutions right and so here's the big thing of understanding our moment where we're at right so many guys are like, man, like this is the thing I'm going to die on. This is the this is the issue. This is the hill to die on. You know, these mandates and this stuff. And it's like that. And it's like, here's my call to you guys. We've got to clean up all the crap in our garden. If you look at your family, your economy, your local area, your tribe, your tribal institutions, we've got a clear space so that when spring comes, we're ready. We can't have, you know, when spring, if I don't clean out this garden, and spring comes and all these vines and all these plants are all over the place and it's just a mess and I haven't prepared the soil and I haven't uh, put more compost on it and covered it so that the weeds are, it's like, chaps, come springtime, I'm not, like, it's going to be chaos and a mess and I'm not going to be able to do what I plan. But if now in the end of fall, I'm I'm taking what I can get and I'm canning and I'm I'm living off it, you know, I'm, I'm using it to live off right now and I'm taking what I can from it, but I'm also removing all of the weeds. I'm removing all of the dead stuff. I'm removing all of the superfluous vines that have shot there. You know, they're now bolting, like remove all that stuff, right? Remove everything, clear space. So what this means in your lives, we cannot be dependent chaps on their institutions. And this starts with the simple things of food logistics, food systems, right? Whoever controls the food controls the people, right? Chaps, we cannot be shopping at Kroger anymore. You cannot be shopping at Walmart anymore. Like if we depend on them, like sure, 2080, right? There's things you can't get anywhere else. Yes, go to Kroger, go to, to Walmart, fine. But when Walmart comes and says, oh, you're David? Well, our boss Saul wants to spear you. Then what are you going to do? You're going to run to the mercy of some other patriarch who has built sovereignty away from, from the food system, you know? So chaps, we have to get in touch. And, and I know I'm talking very broad, very conceptual. I'm going to try bring this down practical. For the love of God, the simple things, you know, can you find local farmers in your area, fill your freezer? Can you, you know, get wood stacked up to have your own heat? Can you collect your own water or filter your own water? You know, can you deal with your own waste, you know, figuring out composting toilets and composting of other waste and stuff like that? You know, you don't want to die when, when your water gets cut off and, and your sewage, you know, all of that stuff. But, but here's the next thing with all of this, right? We, we want to try and get sovereignty 
with every part of our lives. So that's food, you know, that's, and it's like, oh, Scott, is this prepping? Is this a prepper stuff? It's like, no, no, this is not prepping stuff. This is sovereignty stuff, right? Sovereignty is where it's at, you know? So you don't think there's going to be another lockdown come the fall or whatever, or you don't think like, oh, you need to get this. Otherwise you lose your job and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, chaps, by then it's too late. Those are the big things, but you've never done any of the small things. You know, when you don't need Kroger, then you can laugh. When you don't, when you don't need your job, then you can laugh. And I know this is a lot of like, oh, Scott, just easy for you to say. It's like, no, no, no. Like this has been two, three, four years of us moving to this place. And by God's grace, by God's provision, by God's blessing, promotion, protection, we have to get to this point where David was of like going out to the desert. What's in the desert? Nothing. It's a desert. That's where God provides. That's where God protects. That's where God promotes, right? We've got to understand that we've got to start making moves for cultural sovereignty, right? We give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. We respect the authorities. We respect the institutions that have power over us. But the cultural institutions, chaps, take your children out of school. If you're still sending your children to school, you're abusing them. You're an abusive parent. You're losing your children to the system. They're all going to be just as clown sold as clown sold. And if they aren't, if they're good little kids with, with a clean conscience and a, and a heart after God, they're going to be speared. They're going to be attacked. They're going to be abused. They're going to be, you know, it's like either your kid will be messed up or they'll be attacked. You've got to take your children back, right? Sovereignty. That's where the Amish are crashing. It's like you don't send your kids to Rome. You know, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. That's not your children. You don't give your children unto Caesar. You give taxes unto Caesar. And you give due honor when, when due honor is needed. Alrighty. And then, you know, some, some other big things here, you know, if you are, um, if you're in a place, if you are living in the palace, if you are living close to Saul, you know, if you're, if you're in the cities, if you're in the seats of power, it's going to be a lot harder for you to live a David life, you know? And so I would consider moving to a place that is friendlier, or at least moving to a place where, you know, you have friends who have your back. So, you know, you could stay in a city or on the outskirts of a city, but you have to make moves to make sure you have a tribe, to make sure you have people who are who are your people. So that it's like, you know, when guys get thrown under the bus, when they get canceled, lose their jobs, get get hounded by the media and all that kind of stuff. Man, if you have a pastor who's like, oh yeah, man, you know, we'll we're, we won't throw you under the bus. And if you have a whole bunch of mates who message you and be like, no ways, man, and screenshotting, you know, you getting uh doxxed or whatever, I've like no ways, man. Sorry, that sucks. But you know, we've got you. If you need, if you need help, we've got you. Right? We want to be out of debt to banks. That we have to get out of comfort of the palace. We have to get out of the shiny, living it up lifestyle of convenience and comfort of the palace. And to go prepare for winter, we need to go to the desert. Right? The desert is a place of no comfort, no convenience. You know, we need to get used to that life. Anyway, this is not a black pilling life thing. It's actually quite importantly, wonderfully energizing. Let me get to my famous people in the comments here. DBG, welcome, fine sir. And Nick, wonderful to have you along. Hello, is this the stream where we fight about baptism? Yes. I hereby baptize you as a most baptized young sir. Lowell, welcome. Time for storing the valuable stuff for safekeeping. Yeah, you know, and, and we have to have this mindset, you know, we have to have this mindset of looking ahead for winter. What is, you know, we have a winter upon us, a real physical 
real winter upon us. You know, there's going to be apparently there's shenanigans with China and supply chains and uh, logistics. You know, apparently trucks, there's no more parts for trucks. And, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, food deserts in the cities and all this kind of thing. And it's like, we need, to, we need to take care of that right now. Go fill your freezer with beef right now. Go get firewood right now. Like, you know, figure, figure this out. Like, don't be caught dependent on enemy um, institutions. Andrew, welcome, fine sir. Uh, Mr. Max, welcome. Autumn is a time of plenty, but we can't just gorge on the harvest. We need to keep some to go through winter. I don't know how we can do that at the scale of our countries. Yeah, exactly. You know, two things. On an individual level, exactly that. We need to be, you know, oh, there's just abundance, you know, and we can let things rot on the vine and we can just gorge ourselves. And it's like, no, we need to do the hard work of canning. We need to do the hard work of getting out of debt to hostile institutions and actually put in the hard work of, of figuring this all out. So that come winter, it's like, yeah, it's not going to be comfortable, but it, but we're going to make it through. We're going to make it. A lot of people are not going to make it. And this is the next thing that a lot of uh, Christians are going to struggle with. But there is going to be a, you know, this is not a, this is not a uh, culturally correct. It's not politically correct. But there will be mass die-offs. You know, in Africa, Africa cannot exist without foreign aid. And, you know, I would say it's the same for a lot of, of, this, of the Anglosphere. Welfare is essentially foreign aid. You know, what happens when welfare stops? What happens when you know, when free, not free, cheap food, you know, what happens when, when food prices go from 10% of your, of your budget to 50% of your, your budget, you know, a lot of people will, there will be mass starvation, there'll be violence, there'll be rioting, there'll be logistics breakups, there'll be, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a doom pill, it's a winter pill, you know, of like, are we preparing ourselves accordingly so that, you know, because here's the next thing with all the preppers, guys are like, see, nothing happened, nothing happened, see, nothing happened. And it's like, eventually something does happen. And guess who's happy? The guy who prepared 20 years ago. You know, it's like, for us, it might not happen this winter. Maybe it's next winter. But you're sitting happy when you start building your own sovereignty and your own institutions. And you're ready for like, can you see the scenario happening? Yes, I can see the scenario happening. Have you thought through the scenario with a few other people? Yes, we've thought it through and, and spoken it through. It's like, okay, great. Now, if it never happens, we're not worried. But if it does happen... We're also not worried, you know, and you actually get excited. Uh, Mr. Max, I don't know how we can do that at the scale of our countries. We don't, you know, and that's why I say our countries are lost. Our civilization is gone. Our inheritance, our institutions are the fault they have fallen. You know, there is no more American. There is no more South African. There is no more Canadian, Australian, New Zealander, Brit. Uh, our, our, our countries are gone. What is left are the new tribes that are forming, right? So, so sovereignty on a national level is gone. We have no sovereignty. We have no national institutions that are ours for our progeny. We have no representation uh, in our political parties. They all represent the corporatists. We have no, we have no nationhood. So we are now. What we are seeing now is the reestablishment of tribes. What are tribes? Tribes are out in the desert trying to figure out cultural survival, right? So, you know, just a, a what's the word I'm looking for? A, a parallel uh, would be the Soviet Union, right? So if you're in the Soviet Union, you're like, how do I survive this? Like, you're not going to fight the Soviet Union. You either escape 
or you go out and and you give unto Caesar what is Caesar's in the hopes that your children would would survive this and then one day eventually when it all falls like hey we still have family and everything's you know we still have a culture we still have faith we still have our people in our place which ironically they did that more than than we did for capitalism capitalism has destroyed our people in place more than communism destroyed theirs you know they you look at eastern europe right now and it's like they are culturally uh, ascendant whereas as here in 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 the anglosphere we are culturally uh, enslaved you know it's it's very fascinating uh, but yeah, so so Mr. Max, you know, we, we don't do that. We we let the God is, I believe, letting the countries fall. You know, he's letting the the structures that were built fall because it's all it's all wicked men who are uh, in in control of these these power systems, these power institutions. At the same time, we need to prove ourselves worthy of stewarding something that God would give us, and that's why we don't sit around and wait like a libertarian. We sit around and build, we sit around, we go and build like Nehemiah, we go and build like David, we go and build like Abraham, right? Abraham, Nehemiah, David, none of them had institutional power. They went to go and prepare for institutional power. Jack Slater, fifth, howdy. Welcome, fancy. In the age of instant cancel culture, how do we fight back? Lose it all and take up living in a busted RV in the Nevada desert? No, no, no. You know, and I think that's where you play the game. Like, guys, if you are in uh, economy or, or governance, play the gray man game. Plunder. Plunder a clown world. Take what you can from clown world. Play the game. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Give unto the clowns what is the clowns. Take what you can get. But don't take that and then spend it on your convenience. Spend it on your comforts. Spend it on building in the desert. Spend it on building what you're going to fall back on eventually when this whole thing sinks or tanks. Or you get eventually canceled. So, so don't go be stupid and go get yourself canceled. Like we need wisdom, right? We need wisdom. And th- this way, I love what old Doug Wilson is saying about about mandates and and uh, righteous deception, all this kind of stuff. Go look it up on on his uh, YouTube or his podcast or whatever. Um, but it's like we need to get to this place. You know, this is why I say the Christendom will not be built on priestly purity spiraling. You know, because number one, the priests are going to, oh, we've got to feed everyone. We've got to love everyone. And it's like, no, like, you know, quite possibly, probably a billion people will die, you know, if if things carry on where they're going, you know, civilizationally. You can't, you can't save the world. What you can do is provide for your family. And so it's going to be patriarchs who are going to be saying to the priests like, whoa, 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 no, 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 champ. Focus here, focus neighborhood, focus local. Like we don't go and try and save everyone and bring them here. It's like, you know, we have to reestablish Christendom and that is going to be done by kings, not by priests. It's going to be done by patriarchs, not by priests. You know, the next thing that's going to happen is a lot of priests are going to have a lot of problem with tribal resource wars. You know, they're not going to have the stomach uh, to fight against parasites, to eject parasites. They're not going to have the stomach uh, for what it takes to survive uh, Caesar and uh and herod and so when we do find guys who 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 are sanctifying the tribe who are sanctifying survival and and who are sanctifying uh you know because again what do we always say about christian nationalism it's like if you were the enemy of god what is god's mandate god's mandate is disciple the nations so if you're the enemy of god you want to destroy the nations right stop the nations from being discipled by destroying them 
And so, you know, as Christians, as the remnant, as the 7,000 who will not bow the knee nor kiss the ring of Baal, we want to, we want to preserve, well, God is preserving the remnant. It's not up to us to preserve, but we want to be, we want to be honorable so that when the remnant is ready, you know, it's like, God, we're ready. Here I am, Lord, send me, you know, here's my institutions, Lord. Here's my tribe, Lord. We will, we will build what you want us to build. We will go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do. And I think that's what gets really exciting, right? This is where things get super exciting, where things get super like, whoa, like our role in this fall, in this coming into winter, are the prep, are the preparers of the new cycle of Christendom, of the new cycle of civilization. And it's like, man, like that's what an amazing honor. You know, so many dudes are like, oh, Scott, you know, I wish I wasn't, I wish I was born in uh, 1930 or 1940, because then, you know, I would have hit the boom just perfect, you know? I was like, no, 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 chaps, like we were born for such a time as this. Like God doesn't make mistakes, chaps. You know, we were born for such a time as this. So many dudes are so black-pilled of like, we're just enslaved and it's wicked. Oh God, you know, and it's like, like God already saved us, chaps. We have no fear of death. We have no fear of lack. And, you know, it's like, chaps, if we do go to an RV, a busted RV in the Nevada desert, ah, it's going to be a bloody, it's going to be the best bloody busted RV in the best bloody desert. We'll go make that desert bloom. Let me tell you. Like, chaps, we've got to look forward to the desert. We've got to look forward to like, the worst you can do is kill me. The worst you can do, you know, it's like, we're not afraid of death. We're Christians. Checkmate, you know? And that then translates to, we're not afraid of man, fear of man, right? One of my favorite Proverbs by, by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Chaps, fear of the Lord has to be, you know, fear of the Lord beyond death, fear of the Lord beyond men, fear of the Lord beyond women, fear of the Lord beyond failure and harm and, and humiliation. You know, that's why David was a man after God's heart. You know, David's context, he was, he was the, the overlooked son uh, in his family, he got the worst jobs. He was he was excluded from a lot of cool hobnobby things, um, and you know so that was his starting context. Uh, and then you know his national context, they were being invaded by thirty thousand Philistines with a huge ass giant who was just spearing dudes. You know of like they were getting absolute like it was it was refugees time basically in in his context. And he's like, sweet Lord, like I'll be a man after your own heart, even to my own harm or humiliation, you know? And then, you know, he delivers his tribe uh, from harm and uh, there's fame and there's a bit of excitement and he, you know, he gets a sweet Betty and he gets some gold and, you know, now he's a hot shot. And so the next thing that happens is now a wicked king of his own, his own wicked king, his own systems and institutions turn against him. You know, the IRS and the FBI are hunting him to literally kill him. They want him dead or alive. He's a domestic terrorist. You know, he's, he's the bloody reason. Uh, he's the bloody, yeah, 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 bloody, yeah. And so he wants to be a man after God's heart. And so out into the desert, he goes, give on, give unto Saul what is Saul's. I won't, I won't, I won't boogaloo, but I will go and build. All righty. Praise God. Cameron, welcome brother. Nick, prepping for victory. That's right. Victory mindset, man. You know, and if it's not us, it'll be our children. Shelby Maddox, welcome. Best time to start prepping is 20 years ago. Second best time is now. Brian Konosachi, welcome, fine sir. And John Noel, coming in hot. 
white student. Welcome, fine sir. When I look up at the painted ceilings in European churches, I think they did that to show us that our ancestors are watching down on us to make us feel righteous in our fight. And that's exactly it, man. Heritage, right? You've got to... Honoring your mother and your father is not just... It's not just your mother and your father. It's your father's father, your, your father's father's father. You know, we're honoring the inheritance we were given. And I think if you had to look down, you know, if we were... If we were five generations back, it's a great, this is a great um, uh, scenario uh, maker for us. You know, what would we be telling, you know, if we were five grandfathers back, what would we be telling, you know, if we were the pilgrim that landed or if we were the, the pioneer who set out into new lands four, five, six generations back, however many generations back that is for you. And you could sit down with them and say like, hey, great, great, great grandpops. You know, here's here's my scenario. Here's my context. You know, here's what's going on uh, culturally. Here's what's going on with the government. Here's what's going on economically. Here's what's going on. You know, all the stuff. What would you think? And a lot of them would be like, "Yeah, it's time. It's time to set a new path. It's time to blaze a new trail." You know, because so many of us were like, "You know, I've got to stay here and you know make it go over here, and that's fine if you've got a tribe going there by all means." But for so many of you who are tribeless, it's like maybe it's time to concentrate somewhere. You know, maybe it's time to pioneer somewhere. That's fine, but it's got to be, it's got to be from this mindset of like, what would my ancestors uh, be advising? You know, literally, like it would be a great journaling session to be like, if I was in my ancestors' shoes, what would I be telling modern day Scott? You know, and you can even bloody put a wig on it, uh, maybe a, an old trench coat, uh, rub some animal musk uh, on you there. Wear, make sure you're wear, wearing leather, uh, some some finest leather, uh, and then go go and say, "All right, young young fifth generation down me, here's what I would do with none of this political correct crap because there was no political correctness back in 1742. Let me tell you. All right." <clears throat> Praise God. Alrighty, so where was I going with all of this? Where was I going? My point is this. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Cry out to the Lord like, like the Israelis did in Egypt. Uh, but our template is far more Abraham, far more David. You know, we are we are not worried about death. We're not worried about losing everything because we, we, we are, you know, we're, we are already sons of God. We are already co-heirs with Christ. So it's from this place that we're like, all right, Lord, what do you want us to go do as patriarchs? You know, if, if, if you are sons of Abraham, you will do the works of Abraham, right? So it's like, what are those works? We're, we're trying to establish Christendom again, right? The kingdom is at hand. So, so again, I just want to put this out there. We're not building a church, right? pastoral ministry guys, God bless you. You're going to build your church. You're going to, you know, focus on building your church. But for the rest of us guys who are not in the ministry domain, we're not building a church, right? So we have to understand that we are not, we are not, we cannot think from the, the, the framework of being a priest for, for so many of us, we've all grown up as young Christian libertarian boys of the priest, like, Oh, I could never do that. You know, and you look at a guy like Donald absolutely going crush and you're like, Oh, he is, he's the worst of sinners, you know, and then he becomes powerful and a president. And you're like, Oh, Donald, you know, it's like, you know, can you see what's going on here? He's not a priest. He's a King. He's going out and absolutely crushing. And it's like, wouldn't it be nice if some Christian men 
were out crushing, if some Christian men were at the top of government, if some Christian men were at the top of economy, if some Christian men were at the top of ministry, uh, of media, <laughs> of ministry too, it would be nice to have some Christian men there, let me tell you. But it's like, here's the big deal for us, right? We need to see rightly, okay, Lord, I am putting the stream down of being a priestly, good Christian boy. I am picking up the dream of building Christendom, of building the kingdom, of being a patriarch so that my children's children can have peace and prosperity because I was a patriarch who actually cared about my people in my place. So all of that being said, praise God. May he direct our steps and lead us forward. Uh, we don't have to take on, you know, if you are, if you're a economy guy, you don't have to go and figure out government and, oh man, like, do I have to go run for sheriff and figure this all out? It's like, no, find the guy who is our guy, our tribe, who, who freaking is pumped about being sheriff and then help him and bless him. Likewise, you know, if, if you're just getting by on your job and, and whatever, and you're like, man, like, do I need to go start some huge ass business and all this stuff? It's like, no, you go find the guy who is you know, business-minded and stuff, and you go bless him. Chaps, this is the, the glory of tribe. What is your gift? Give your gift to your tribe, right? Your gift is the thing that God has put on your life to go and give. The thing that God has put in your heart of like, man, this is what I'd love to do to, to serve my people, to serve God, to, to serve my place. And go and give that with all of your heart to your people. Stop giving it to the clowns. Stop giving it to uh, you know, to the rest of the world, they have their own patriarchs. They have their own people to give gifts to them. You give gifts to your people. You give gifts to your tribe. And, you know, I think this is the great strength is like finding out who are our guys. You know, who are our guys? We're going to build institutional power. We're going to build cultural power, you know, and, and this is the long game. We're building for our children's children. And I'm going to give my gift. I'm going to plunder clown world. You know, if, if you can, get what you can out of the garden. Get what you can out of the institutions. Get what you can uh, and then we come in and we bring it to the desert and we build new institutions in the desert. We build institutions for our guys. You know, bring your children home. Bring your money home. Bring uh, your focus home, you know, and then to your neighbor and then your tribesmen. So I'm incredibly pumped about it all. Well, praise God, gentlemen. I, uh, I think it's important for us just to keep that perspective in mind. We're going into a physical winter. Uh, you know, there are some very real practical things that that need to be taken care of um, just economically and uh, and institutionally. Make sure you have friends going into winter. Make sure you have a, a little bit of sovereignty uh, in the food and energy department. And then and then on a bigger scale, you know, going into a winter of civilization, you know, of, of looking forward to our time, you know, of like, hey, we, we are here for such a time as this. You know, God is with us. Do not be afraid. You know, that was Jeremiah in the cave, right? It's like, God, they're trying to kill everybody. They've killed all your prophets and I'm the last one and they're trying to kill me. You know, so many of us feel like that, right? The culture is trying to kill us. Mad clown Saul is trying to kill us. Pharaoh is trying to kill us. Herod is trying to kill us. And God says, no, no, no. I've, I've got 7,000 other men who have not bowed the knee nor kissed the ring. Go back out there. Go back on the road you came and go give your gift. Go give your gift. I am with you. Do not be afraid. That is what we need to keep dear to us as men after God's heart is God is with me. I will not fear, you know. So praise God, gentlemen. I love you all and uh, have a wonderful evening further. We'll see you all tomorrow. God bless you, boys.